the left, Martinez to the right, they score! Carlson back and forth with Martinez. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Petrangelo scores! Two markers for Petrangelo! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wallace Millard out at Finley Volkswagen Henderson in the Valley Auto Mall. Chris Chapman live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... How many people were doing that exact scream last night when Jonathan Marcheseau managed to tie it up with that beautiful one-timer late in the game against the Dallas Stars and then held your breath uh, when the Dallas Stars made a push uh, just a couple of minutes later and Jenny Dodonoff scoring. He's got a two-game goal streak going. So for me, it was a return to form with with getting things right in the pregame. I'm telling you right now, Jonathan Marchessault was my night to shine. He ties the game. And then I looked at Dodonov as, as one of those players that you get the empty netter, as weird of a play as it was, he gets that goal. I think it starts to allow him to settle in, get more comfortable, and generate more offense. And he's the overtime hero. So I'm going to just pat myself on the back here for a moment to say I saw it all coming. When, when you get a chance to talk to Dodonov about that confidence that he's got going because mm-hmm. of the empty netter, can you have him like explain what happened between he and Kolasar on the empty netter in Denver that allowed him to carry that over to the, to the overtime game in Dallas last night? I, I will ask him. I, I'm not sure what I'm going to get out of it, but I'll, I'll ask him when I, when I talk to him, and hopefully I get something that's awesome. Because it's he the just, strangest empty netter it, I've ever seen. I'll, I'll tell you, I, to me, he just looks like a guy that wants to have fun, yeah. right? Like he, and, and if you can, can play around in the seriousness of a game, especially when you're at that point one and four, hunting down that, for that, that next win, I think it gives you a really good idea of who Evgeny Dodonov is and, and kind of what makes him tick. 3-2 overtime win for the Vegas Golden Knights against the Dallas Stars. They sweep the two-game road trip uh, through the Central Division. Now back home for a Nevada Day game tomorrow uh, up against the Anaheim Ducks. What a day of hockey. You've got the HSK, the Henderson Silver Knights, going in the morning, and that's followed up by uh, the Vegas Golden Knights uh, playing a 5 o'clock start. Uh, So the pregame show starts at 4 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, we will be preempted by Ryan. Ryan preempts himself, uh, which is one of the great uh, signature moves uh, on the Fox Sports Las Vegas. So Power. we also have uh, some news to pass along your way today uh, with a big contract extension offered up to Zach Whitecloud. Six-year deal. We'll get into the meat and potatoes of that. And a signing with some depth uh, being brought in. Ben Hutton as a National Hockey Leaguer who's played almost 400 career games as a blue liner. He gets a one-year deal, so uh, a little added insurance as they go through this process. So sounds like they, they lost another player last night. Don't have an update yet on Will Carrier. Uh, I will say this. Uh, there was some uh, speculation on my part uh, that Daniil Mirmanov might have been hurt last night because he didn't. He played three shifts in the first and one shift in the second, but it was strictly just because he was playing up front. So that's great news mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that he's healthy and ready to go. But uh, a lot going on today. We'll, we'll hear from Manny Viveros, uh, the HSK head coach, as he uh, chats with 
our own Brian McCormick on HSK Today earlier, uh, Lotus Broadcasting sister station. Uh, Manny has uh, come forward and, and uh, revealed why he is not with the team, but also some great news uh, regarding himself. The best news, uh, I think, possible. Uh, we'll have those comments and uh, also get into Robin Leonard, who uh, was with me on the Chirp this week, and just some comments about playing on the Olympic team. Uh, and and his aspirations to play uh, in China in February, and uh, and then his legacy, whether it's the mental health or whether it's being a, a top-tier National Hockey League player with the, the, the Jennings and the Vesna uh, consideration. So a lot to get to uh, today. We'll also get into uh, what's happened with the Chicago Blackhawks and uh, and the fallout uh, from that with uh, Kyle Beach coming forward as the John Doe and the subsequent meetings between the commissioner and Joel Quenville, which happened today and Monday, which will be with uh, Winnipeg Jets general manager Kevin Chevaldeoff. Uh, we're cramming a lot in today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot going on, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that I'm preempting us tomorrow. Mm. So you know, yeah, we got to squeeze it all in, and exactly. we have, we have a prize. To we do today. We've got a swag bag. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's Over. From Finley Volkswagen here in Henderson. It's a swag bag. It's a backpack. There's a hat. We've got a water bottle, which I'm telling you right now, I'm eyeing. Get Darren's looking at it. He's he's seemed to be confused as to how to open the water bottle, yeah, but that's totally fine. Like it is what it is. Uh, t-shirts, a bunch of different stuff. So you're gonna want to get down here. Come say hi, especially to Darren Millard. Like. Mm-hmm. You don't get many opportunities to say hello to Darren, so swing by Finley Volkswagen in the Valley Auto Mall. And if you do, you can win the swag bag. What do we have to do to win the swag bag? I just fill out a Oh, there's pucks in there, too. There are pucks in there. Did you sign any of them? No. And we have a hoodie? I was a t-shirt? I was told that you have to sign them. Seriously? Yeah. Nice. Do I have to sign my real name? What other name would you get? Brad Johnson. That's your pen name? That's my, uh, my radio name when I was a DJ. Back in the day. Why Brad Johnson? BJ the DJ. Oh, boy. Coming to you. Six oh. in a row. Yeah. What a what a terrible alias. Lame. Hey, uh, that, was, uh, that was a wild game last night. Brad did, Johnson. Did, did you have the feel that Vegas was going to be able to pull one out? Or did was it the other way where uh, Dallas is going to break it open at any point? When, when Dallas... Made the score two one. Mm-hmm. The shots were nineteen to six. Eventually got to twenty two to six. So there's there's very little indication that the comeback was coming, but they they found themselves about halfway through that third period. For me, um, it, it was more about how the Golden Knights played in the third period, especially from you know maybe f- seven minutes in until the end of of the period, and then obviously in over overtime. Um, it felt like Dallas had too many missed opportunities. And we've seen it go the other way, where the Golden Knights, they'll have a bunch of opportunities, they'll have a lead, and they will fail in the moment to extend that lead to two goals, three goals, whatever the case. And more often than not in those games, when you've got a ton of really great chances, you don't capitalize, the other team hangs around long enough, they find a way to tie it, and then they find a way to win it. Uh, For me, we've seen this script happen to the Golden Knights too many times. It was nice to see Vegas kind of turn that narrative on its head and be the team that hung around long enough to find another goal and win an overtime. Uh, To me, it felt inevitable. The play of the day is coming up uh, later on in the VGK Insider Show in Fox Sports Las Vegas. We broadcast live from the Finley Valley Auto Mall with the Finley uh, VW. Uh, There's a a debate right now. Should it be Dodonov's goal? Should it be the tying goal by Jonathan Marcheseau? Or should it be... 
the big save by Laurent Brassois with 25 seconds to go. That's the debate. Uh, I'm curious to see how it's going to shake out with the play of the day coming up uh, later on in our number one. What was your anticipation level of Laurent Brassois on that weird travel day yesterday in which they flew from Denver and went straight to the rink after landing and got into it, and the first shot on goal is a cue ball off uh, off a skate and into the back of the net. Mental toughness pretty good there. To me, I wasn't too surprised with, with his ability to kind of focus in and, and give the Golden Knights a good quality start. Like, uh, I know the first goal, uh, first shot that he faces goes in, but you can only go up from there, right? You can only get better from that moment. And for me, Brossois was was phenomenal for the Golden Knights. He gave that team a chance to win. And when you're when you're wondering why in the offseason the Golden Knights would go out and spend money on a backup, that's the type of start that explains it for you, right? Because maybe a, a backup that doesn't have as much experience or, or isn't quite used to that role uh, you let one in, all of a sudden things snowball. But with Brossois, there's no panic in his game. He just went about his business and gave the Golden Knights a chance to win. A couple of just key, quiet saves. Then he makes the stop of Radulov on the breakaway mm-hmm. where he uh, denies the goal scorer for the Dallas Stars. The play, though, with 25 seconds left, kind of sums it all up where there's some control but then there's also the desperation and then he come like at the end of the day he just finds a way to make a save so what i'm most impressed by with prosois is that he seems to always be in the right spot like he he's a very patient goaltender he never seems to react first it's all about allowing pucks to find him but there's this element of never giving up on a play and you saw it on that save it's it's one where he's committing and then all of a sudden realizes there's a play to be made back door and that push and and making himself as big as possible that's just a goalie fighting through it it's a goalie competing and and doing what he has to do to make a save it was a thing of beauty do you, do you think he's does he look bigger than six foot three kinda kinda like maybe maybe a little bit but not, like i i feel like he moves so well right like oh, yeah absolutely and but just he just the arms go forever and the legs <laughs> go forever yeah it yeah. just when i when i stand there and look at him I'm, he he looks taller than six foot three yeah i it's it's interesting because like in person i don't feel that but on the ice especially when he's kind of splayed out like that on that save like there's a lot more net covered than i think we initially anticipate but you know again that's just a player making a play and understanding i've got to make a play here right like you just expended all of that emotional energy to come back tie the game it would have been a major letdown for the golden knights to not get a point out of it and i think that you you understand yeah and you understand the gravity of that situation especially with how the season started that's a player selling out and and that's going to endear him in that locker room uh, for for many, many weeks because of the play that he made there. My buddy Darren Elliott on the TV side last night said that's the night, that's the moment that Laurent Brossois became part of the team. Oh, for sure. Like, I, I think that's an absolutely phenomenal point of view to have because you, you get those 
moments every so often within a season, especially as a new player. For Brossois, it happened in the first start, and that's awesome because now you just build from there. You're never really part of it because you haven't won a game, you haven't started a game. Well, you go in, you get that start. But then uh, Darren said, you have you, to really be part of the group. You have to you have to win the game. You have to be uh, on on the celebratory side. Mm-hmm. And then you you put the little cherry on top with a massive save where everybody you see the bench shot. That that uh, was the, that was my favorite part. Yeah. I mean, the save was, was great, and, and it stands on its own, but when you look at the reaction of the players on the bench who simply were in awe of the moment, like, and they've seen some fantastic goaltending yeah. performances and some miraculous saves to be that in tune and, and understand. And I think, again, a lot of it has to do with, the, with where you were in the game and what it took to get to that point and what was on the line there. That context means everything. It, you said that they've seen saves before. Yeah. That's in the past. Flower being flower. That's that's Lenny mm-hmm. doing his thing. Yeah, they don't have any context with Laurent Brossois, and to to see that, uh, the, the the shot of the bench was was great because there were stick taps. It was like, can you believe that? Uh, leaning back, and then everybody looked up to the clock. <laughs> How much time's left? Like we t- tell me, tell me the the clock's gonna mm-hmm. run down here. And yep. There's 25 seconds to go. Yeah, no, it was it was just a great play, um, and you know we. We oftentimes, and I spoke to Dan about this on the postgame show last night, like oftentimes when it comes to a goalie save, we want the glove save, right? We want mm. the big windmill, catch the puck, and, and, and kill the play in that moment save. With Brossois last night, it was extend out. It wasn't a, a finish the play and kill the clock situation. It was just a goalie reacting and doing whatever he had to do to get his, his body on the puck, and that is unique in those highlights, in those types of big plays, but uh, one that stands for the Golden Knights early on in the season as, as a play that you look back on as, as, as you move further and further away from it, how Laurent Brassois continues to integrate with this team and how his team in front of him plays for him. This is a moment that stands out to me or will stand out to me when you, you look back on it. We will bring you our game rating in hour number two of the VGK Insider Show. I have to think that we're looking at a at a couple of fives here. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna keep you on your toes. Please tell me there has to be two fives out of this. I mean, like I'm not gonna give it away right now. Okay. What do, what, there's then there's no point to do it at five. I'm just if if there's not two fives. Well, we already know I'm, I'm you're filing a protest. We already know you're going Carolina Reaper. I'm going. I'm, I, I was thinking you're about inventing one. I, I was thinking about doubling up the Carolina Reapers, like. You you just want to give two? Yeah, I want to. You give just, just take Chapman's well, spot. Uh, yeah, you you don't hide hide things very well. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm not a very tune, good. Tune teaser. in at five for Ryan and Chapman's yes. take on the game last will we, night. Will we? Like thinking about it, you watched the game last night. You listened to the game last night. Is there anything other than a five there? We'll find out if uh, if Ryan Wallace well, and and Chris Chapman uh, are on board. What direction do you think I'm going? I don't know. There might be because they were outplayed the first half of the game, and you you can't give a, a Carolina Reaper because of that. The shots were were twenty two to six. I you could sell me on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm fascinated by which direction you will go. I'm uh, I have no idea whether we're getting a, a two, a three, or a four out of five uh, out, of, out of Chapman. There's mm. just uh, there's a lot of mystery there. Uh, I'm I'm not a big signature win guy, but. Coming off the performance in Colorado, mm-hmm. 
there was the narrative that they'd been through that with the Avalanche before. They had game planned against the Avalanche before. Uh, even though there was injuries, they could just lean on that experience. You turn it around with the difficult travel day. I mean, they, they got to the airport in Denver after the game. And they went back to their hotel in Denver downtown and then got up and then went back. And the Denver airport is in southern Alberta. <laughs> that, that, that's how far outside the city it is in Denver. And then flew in and uh, landed at four, went to the to the rain. Like, there's there some challenges. I know it's, like, first world problems, but uh, there's uh, some challenges uh, with with playing that game and being out of your routine. That said, that performance last night, being able to find a way to get four points out of that road trip is a signature win for the Vegas Golden Knights just a handful of games into the season. I said it a couple of times last night. Um, the, the win in Colorado was about the process, right? Mm-hmm. It was about the results matching the process and playing the right way. Last night's win, character all the way. That's what it was for me. It, it was a Golden Knights team that had every reason to pack it in, right? Every reason at 2-1 to look at all of the extenuating circumstances and say, it's just not going to happen tonight. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. And for me, I think you build more from those wins than, than maybe you do even from the Colorado win. You take the Colorado win, you feel good about that one. But in or, to be able to win that game last night against Dallas, I, I think there's, there's more you can build on from there just in the character and perseverance and grit you showed in that game to get the two points. How about this team in overtime the yeah. last couple of years? Yeah, not bad. It's strange. Not bad. Borderline bizarre how successful they are. And, and Pete talked about it last year that they weren't even practicing it. <laughs> uh, but going out there, the forecheck, right? It, it started the play yep. on, on the tying goal. Yep. And it uh, started the play on the game-winning goal by Evgeny Dodanov. And that was an impressive part of it. Almost back to their misfit year one identity of that strong forecheck. Not banging you through the boards, mm-hmm. but being just buzzing around the zone and not letting you have any time or space. It's winning puck battles, right? And and for the Golden Knights, especially on the Jonathan Marchessault goal, it's it's winning a puck battle down down low, going low to high, and Shea Theodore really doing the work there, mm-hmm. right? Walking the line, getting Dallas to move, and opening up the lane for Marchessault's one timer. It's a perfect pass from Theodore, uh, two point night for Shea. I look at that as one of those performances where you say, okay, Shea Theodore, offensively, it's starting to click for him. And that was important because defensively in Colorado, I thought he was good. Uh, You want to see the offense. You want to see the points start to stick to him, and they did last night. VGK Insider Show broadcasting from Findlay Volkswagen. We have a a little prize package here, a little care package uh, with a hat, a backpack, a bottle. Uh, water bottle. We've got a hoodie and some pucks. Uh, come on by, uh, say hi, and uh, enter to win that. Uh, we'd love to uh, chat with you during the commercial breaks and just uh, hang out and get your opinion on what you saw last night with the, the Vegas Golden Knights who scored a goal in the man advantage. Let's silence it. They scored a goal with the man advantage. It's not a power play goal, Darren. No, it's, it's a, it's it a is, goal with I, the man advantage. It is. Okay. You can move the goalposts all you want to. It does not count as a power no, play goal. No, it does not. And that's fine. I, your point's well taken, though, because you design a play like that mm-hmm. more often than not on the power play, you'll find success. And I think the, the design of the play that scored the goal, the ability to just kind of get, a, as you mentioned, a man advantage goal on the board, I think it does wonders for the Golden Knights as they move forward. You I look, really do. You look through the sheets. There's like 
five-on-five goals, five-on-four, five-on-three. There's all those categories. There is a six-on-five category. That's a man advantage goal Mm -hmm. that the Vegas – and I I don't think it got enough attention last night given all the narrative uh, about the the power play in the last little bit that they actually did score and converted on a man advantage opportunity. And I think the the way they scored is – important it's a one-timer from jonathan marsh so in the circle right we know how important that option is on the power play and we know jonathan marsh so loves to shoot the puck so let's start moving in that direction of of giving that a legitimate look on the power play and maybe the golden knights will start to find the back of the net there i don't know who this dallas star player was coming out but he did a pretty good job mm-hmm. in taking away the the shot lane yeah there was one spot for Marshall to go, and that was inside the near post. And Hudobin may have been partially screened, not being able to catch the puck because uh, or find the puck uh, with his division uh, uh, because the player was out there, and it kind of came from from that side. But yeah, one spot, one spot only. And the only issue I have with that play was Chapman's tweet after. Like I don't oh, need no. to see. What I don't you, need to see that. Chris what did he say? My. My kids are on social media. We, they, they follow you. We don't need to see that kind of stuff. First of all, your kids don't follow me. Unless yes, they, they, I, how would you know? I, yeah. I don't know, but what, what did I tweet out? Did you not tweet a picture last night? A picture? Yeah. I have to go back and look. Mm. I thought you? it was you that tweeted out the picture of the fan that wasn't very happy. Oh, after. yeah, 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 that was me. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 so there was a guy when Marsha so scored. I, hold on, hold on. Before we get too deep into that, <laughs> I was starting to panic that maybe I had the wrong person. Oh, I should have played along a little bit more. Like, no, I didn't tweet out a picture. Wait, hold on. Were you playing along at the beginning? No. No, no, because I oh. didn't know where he was going with it. Now now that I, yes, yes. So uh, there, there was a, a Dallas Stars fan who was quite unhappy with Jonathan Marsha so scoring. Uh-huh. That tying goal. Yeah. And, uh, well. He flipped in the bird. Yeah. The stone cold salute. Yeah, yeah. The stone, and, it, and the funny thing is he's kind of dressed like Larry the Cable Guy. So I'm, I don't know if it is Larry. Actually, it, I know it's not Larry the Cable Guy, but it kind of looks like him a little bit. Then maybe make matters worse. Where did you see that? Where did you find that? Uh, AT&T. But, but you, were watching, you, you were watching and saw it? When you were watching, yes, yes, and no, I, you know, when I was watching the post game show with yourself and Darren Elliott, although yeah. I, I was, I was not paying attention until they they came <laughs> back because you know, so so I was watching and and I said I said to my wife I said that guy's giving them the bird, isn't he? So I rewound it and I said, oh my god, he really is giving them the bird. Uh, okay, so I just looked up the the picture. Chapman, do you think that anyone that wears a flannel shirt is Larry the Cable Guy? Well, no, it's the it's the beard and the uh, the hat and in no have, way. Have you not just described Ryan Wallace? In no in no way does this guy look like Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, he kind of does look like Larry the Cable Guy. And to me, I don't think he's actually flipping the bird. I think oh. he's just got his 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 index finger crimped uh, up. That is, I, I don't no, see it. No, no, no. I don't He's, see it, buddy. There's definitely. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was flipping the bird. No, yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't see it. Ryan, you're you're wrong on this one, man. That's fine. I, I've been <laughs> wrong before, Chapman. I'll be wrong again. I don't worry. He looks about like being Larry, wrong. Larry the Cable Guy. He's got a flannel shirt. He's got a beard, and I'm looking over at Ryan Wallace. And, and, yep. and, and, I don't think you could see it in the picture, but his 
teenage, probably not even quite teenage son is sitting next to him. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a bad, it's a bad move, right? Absolutely. Listen. Yeah. And then what do you do? You put it out for the public to see. Yes. That's my, that, that's my there, duty. In no way is this guy flipping Jonathan Marcheseau the bird. What is he doing? I, liked, uh, I like Marcheseau's reaction to the goal, though. Like the, the, <laughs> the screaming and yelling, like, let's go. You know, I want to show Jonathan Marcheseau that picture and uh. see what his reaction is. Well, he didn't see. He was looking all around. No, 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 no. But if his, I show him. His, his, his uh, mind was going a million miles an hour. And, and th- uh, he scores. And Chandler, as I want to do, I rewatched the game this morning. Uh, Chandler Stevenson and, and Alex Petrangelo are skating behind the net, like side by side in perfect uh, uh, sequence, both arms up in the air. It was, it, was a, it was a cool moment, one of those great moments uh, when you're a fan. Given where this team was, a few days ago to last night in securing back-to-back wins in uh, very difficult uh, situations with, with all the injuries and found a way to win. They, uh, you ever, ever ring out a washcloth? Of course we have. We Sometimes, all, yeah. yeah. All, yep. Well, you get to a point where you can't twist the washcloth uh, anymore, anymore yeah. to get to get any more moisture out of it. Mm-hmm. That that to me is is where where Pete was last night with his bench, in going with a short bench on on back to back nights. Like he, he he was he was at that stage where there was uh, there was nothing more that he could do to try and generate offense. Pulled the goalie early, mm-hmm. and and uh, tried to uh, create some chances. And at the end, the the players actually took control of that with the with the great six on five play yeah I, there there was not much else pete could have done I, he he was forced essentially in the third period to to find a combination and to split up the misfits that's that's mm-hmm. important in in a couple of different regards but um yeah you, you lose carrier in the game daniel miramanov a defenseman is is playing up and that's always very difficult at it, it was a back-against-the-wall type of situation. In the Golden Knights, they were able to come through on the other side. That's a monstrous win for me. How much do you think he split up the misfits, uh, and how much was just he was, it, he was going with the it, rotation of, of players because it, he, the Carrier, uh, Mirmanov didn't play the back half of the game. Uh, Howden was, was out of the, the mix uh, on the rotation. There was, there was a few guys, they were, they were down because of either uh, playing out of position uh, or uh, injury. Yeah, I, I don't think it was it was the design for the Golden Knights last night wasn't to split them up, and I, I think it was more about okay, how do I maximize essentially three lines here right, in the third right. period? That's what it was, right? Like I, I need to have somebody play alongside Chandler Stevenson and Evgeny Dodonov, and I, I I have to have Nick Waugh kind of you know able to to be an engine of a line on his own and. You know, it, it, it made sense to move Marcheseau away from Carlson and Smith to at least give you some balance and give you some different options. And in that moment, it's it's a great coaching decision brought about by circumstance. But Pete DeBoer had the winning combination. We haven't even mentioned that Alec Martinez was back. A lot happened in the game last night. <laughs> he made a typical Alec Martinez play mm-hmm. in front of the net where he was down in like the, the old hurdler stretch and was scrambling for the puck, and yeah. he blocked a pass while he was down and then was like sliding on top of Brassois to help cover the puck. Anything goes. Uh, <laughs> like Style points out the window. Alec Martinez was all in, 
and and play it like for a guy just appearing. Mm-hmm. Poof! All of a sudden he's back. Play it. They they lean on him. Twenty two ish minutes for <laughs> Martinez, and I think six block shots. Like yeah. just doing what Alec Martinez does. I, I I the guy is so steady, and his presence is so important. And um, you know I th- I like the idea, and I'm not sure how much you you go to this moving forward, but. I really like the idea of Petrangelo with Haig, and I really like the idea of Martinez mm. with Theodore because for Petrangelo, yeah. he's such a great mentor to young defensemen, and we've seen with Martinez, whoever's paired up with him, you get another level out of that guy, and Shea Theodore last night, for me, was one of those players. Think bubble. Yeah, 100%. They were together in the bubble, Martinez and Theodore, and that journey ended with all of us talking about Shea Theodore being a Norris Trophy candidate yep. the next year. Yep. So I'm I'm with you 110 percent. And if if Hag can live up to his end of it, that's uh, that's huge. And uh, Hag's buddy, Zach Whitecloud, signs a big extension, six years. We'll get into it in hour number two. Uh, he is uh, going to rake in 16 and a half million dollars, and they have a new defenseman in town, and Ben Hutton, uh, been around the, the National Hockey League, Anaheim. Uh, Finished up in Toronto last year. Was on a PTO with the Anaheim Ducks uh, earlier this year. Uh, they bring him in on a, on a one-year contract with a with a little bit of uh, security uh, in the fold, uh, depending on where this whole injury situation goes. But uh, having Alec Martinez be in the lineup last night was huge. Did lose uh, Will Carrier. When we continue, you'll hear from Robin Leonard on uh, what he is looking forward to with the Olympics and what may dictate his appearance in Beijing. And also Manny Viveros of the Henderson Silver Knights back on the ice with his team. He will be behind the bench this weekend. Uh, he will tell us uh, what has uh, forced him to step away. It's uh, an emotional conversation. Uh, it's one that uh, I think uh, this audience can certainly learn from and uh, maybe take uh, some advice from uh, because uh, it's it's real-life situation with Manny Viveros, uh, the coach of the Henderson Silver Knights. But up next, we will get into the Chicago Blackhawks situation and uh, the ripple effect uh, around the National Hockey League. It's the VGK Insider Show live from Finley Volkswagen in the Valley Auto Mall on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. BGK Insider Show on location today from Finley Volkswagen. We have a nice little swag bag. Uh, A couple of people have uh, stopped by thanks to uh, Melanie and Chris for filling out uh, the... uh, ballots and uh, are inter- entered to win this uh, beautiful backpack and hat, a water bottle, a whole bunch in there. And uh, yeah, a couple of people around the showroom right now have already uh, waved. So they're going to come over, uh, come by, stop by and uh, let us know what uh, your thoughts are on the VGK as they get within one game of 500, an opportunity to repeat what happened in 2018-19 when the Vegas Golden Knights uh, started one and four and then climbed all the way back uh, to even the record at four and four. They will have an opportunity to do that tomorrow afternoon. Uh, four o'clock pregame show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, and then puck drops just after five o'clock at T-Mobile Arena with uh, Gary Lawless and Dan Duva as the Anaheim Ducks and the Vegas Golden Knights go at it on Nevada Day. Uh, big story, uh, biggest story in sports this week uh, centers around the Chicago Blackhawks and uh, the findings of the investigation into the sexual assault of uh, Brad 
Aldrich, uh, the assistant coach who uh, allegedly assaulted a player uh, in uh, the 2010 Stanley Cup run. Uh, those uh, reports have been... Um, well, Aldrich says that the uh, sexual encounter was mutual. There was... Uh, it was between both players. Uh, they both agreed to... Uh, uh, partake in the uh, encounter. Uh, Kyle Beach is the John Doe, mm -hmm. uh, who has uh, been a big part of uh, making this happen, and some great reporting from uh, from Canada, and uh, Rick Westhead from TSN. Uh, but the the fallout is Stan Bowman is no longer the general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks, and that uh, Joel Quenville and Kevin Cheveldayoff, uh, who are part of the organization, then uh, have moved on, uh, will have a respective meetings with the commissioner, Gary Bettman. Uh, Quenville's meeting was today with the National Hockey League offices, and uh, Kevin Cheveldayoff will meet on Monday. Yeah, I I mean, the the fact that Joel Quenville coached last night, to me, is is kind of mind-boggling. Uh, you, you suspend players, or you don't allow players to play when they are awaiting... Um, Department of Player Safety rulings, hearings, what have you. I, I don't really understand why uh, Quinville was behind the bench last night. just doesn't make any sense to me. And further to the point, uh, if he was behind the bench and it, it was important enough to be behind the bench and you were, you were well enough and, and okay in that capacity to do your job then, speak to the media afterwards. Speak to the media afterwards. If, if, if you can do your duty on the bench, you should have to speak to the media afterward. I, I don't understand that. That blows my mind that all being said um kyle beach and the the interview with rick westhead if, if you watch anything if you haven't watched it already and you watch anything today watch that the courage and the the absolute vulnerability from kyle beach in that moment addressing what happened 10 years ago is is something that I think a lot of people need to watch and need to see and need to understand as to why victims don't feel safe to to talk about what happens to them in in moments like this. Uh, I think part of the, uh, the coaching the game last night uh, it it really did create a, a Twitter storm. Uh, that was the wrong decision. Yeah, but a part of me was like. We're, we're losing sight of, of this. Like everybody focus on that. Focus on Kyle Beach more so and, uh, and really uh, get into uh, what, uh, what he said and how he uh, was able to articulate uh, his feelings through the last decade and the subsequent uh, decisions that were made uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, with the National Hockey League, with the NHLPA, uh, and, and how he felt about it. I thought... I thought it was really telling the way Kyle was able to express his disappointment and mm -hmm. utter uh, disappointment with the moments of 2010 and then the follow-up from it uh, in the last year, year and a half, where there were some denials uh, taking place and then also being able to be able to say level-headed enough to say I want this to happen that to happen and not get caught up in the in the anger and, that, and that's the part that that impressed me the most was the mm. part of the conversation was he he expressed multiple levels of opinion uh, around this story that's that's been around for uh, more than 10 years 
but but didn't just lash out. And I don't know. I I, I don't know how he did that or was able to be uh, so composed. The hardest part of that entire interview for me was when Kyle broke down and apologized for the other people that were impacted by Brad Aldrich after he left with a letter of recommendation by the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. Like the fact that in that moment, someone who went through something like that has had more remorse and more culpability and accountability than the people that were told about this and did nothing speaks volumes to me. It does. And, you know, going back to your point about, you know, kind of the Twitter storm, I think the simple fact of having people that knew about this and didn't do or follow the procedures you would hope that they would follow if it was your son or your daughter mm-hmm. coach in a game or go about their duties, that in and of itself is a slap in the face to Kyle. Now, Joel Quenville has denied knowing about this, the incident yep. in, in 2010. Uh, didn't answer any questions after the report came out. Sure. Where it was, uh, it's strongly alleged that he was in multiple meetings uh, where this was brought up. Yep. So that will be, I'm sure, part of the conversation that took place today with Gary Batman. Uh, yeah. Where, what, what is it? The report. What did you know? And and getting to the bottom. This this is an independent organization mm-hmm. uh, investigation. Yep. In the sense of. Uh, Joel Quenville's not being charged with anything, or uh, there's no law enforcement uh, going. So this it's it's uh, it's not as official as some other uh, investigations that we've we've talked about in, in the past. So uh, that will be uh, fascinating, and that's what everybody wants to know: is who knew about it, and if you did know, we want you to come clean on it. And that's the interesting thing. If you, you go through and you read the report and, yeah. you know, do that at, at, your, at, your own, um, at your own time and understand that it is incredibly graphic mm-hmm. and it is very disturbing. Uh, but when you have, you know, Rocky and Danny Wirtz flat out say the report speaks for itself, that gives you a pretty good indication of, of what the findings were. And you know what? I, all I can say right now in this moment is it took a lot of courage for Kyle Beach to do what he did yesterday. It yeah, took yeah. a lot of Amazing. vulnerability to, to get up there, to answer these questions of a memory of, of a situation that he has done everything he could to bury. And it's never going to be an easy situation to dig all that up and talk about it on, on live TV. Trust too, right? Sure. With, with yeah. Rick, Rick Westhead. Who's done a phenomenal yeah. job here. Uh, and he, he also referred to the healing and this is being a real start to that process yeah. where he can, he can move on uh, and, and try to get to uh, the best place that he's going to be able to, to get to. He's still playing professional hockey, yeah. uh, third division in Germany. Uh, what, what do you anticipate, and I don't know the answer to this, but what do you anticipate, if any, repercussions will, will take place with with Joel Quenville or Kevin che- and Kevin Sheveldayoff, I think is in a different spot than than Joel Quenville mm-hmm. uh, on this. But uh, Quenville, the coach of the Florida Panthers right now, uh, certainly is at the center of things. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I guess this is kind of the best answer that I can give you. I, I mean, I know what I feel 
should happen. I feel like there needs to be absolute transparency and clarity of what Joel knew and when he knew it. Mm -hmm. Because the report is in stark contrast to what Joel has said about when he or how he found out about these allegations. So I have a, 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 a an easier time leaning toward this report because it was done as an independent yeah. organization with 173 people interviewed. I don't think that those accounts... And accepted by the Chicago Blackhawks. 100%. So that all being said, if that's the case, then there has to be some type of understanding because in the moment you don't follow the procedures in the moment that you leave it off to somebody else and you don't make the player the prime point of interest in this situation when you chase stanley cups and you chase wins and you chase success over making sure that one of your own feels safe and comfortable and listened to and acknowledged and heard then i don't trust that now that same thing's going to happen i I don't trust that there's the growth because there's no receipts there uh Kyle has admitted that he was he didn't tell the entire uh, situation that occurred sure. at that time. Yep, uh, that came later. So it's important to separate that if if you're going and and we are talking about culpability uh, in in not taking charge of the situation uh, with with management and with the coaching staff and. That's that's where it's at right now, and the the controversy and the the demand uh, for for answers. But so I think it's important to know that that Kyle hadn't told the extent of the assault uh, at that time. Still, is it not? You think it'd be on somebody to be able to for and 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 they did. Uh, there was at least one member of the the organization that suggested uh, going to the police. I, I'm just. Um, I'm really fascinated to to see where Bettman uh, falls on this, and because like it's there's people wanting some yeah pound of flesh here, and and I, I think that 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 that's where the collective thought is, and for me, I I think that if you if you look at that report and you look at the, the people involved that knew something happened and didn't do anything for three weeks until after the Stanley Cup final was over. Right. And Well, the whole, the whole idea of being asked to resign or we're going to investigate Yeah, exactly. And that's right there. And it tells a, you is all you need to know. And then a letter of resignation on the way out, bonus pay, all this other mm-hmm. stuff, having a day with the Stanley Cup, getting to go through the parade, all those things that – in essence, made Kyle feel like no one believed him. Right. In essence, minimized what he went through and made him feel unsafe in that environment, you have to be able to speak to that. You have to be able to own up to that. Do you think nobody believed him, or was it I, about protecting the the sanctity of that championship and what they were going through? It's not, it's not that I, I feel like no one believed him. I, I think that that's the message you send when yeah. you don't when you don't move it but, up the but proper I, channels. I, I agree with you, and, but I'm and not... I, I'm and not. I, think, I think the fact of the matter is Stanley Cups mean more. Mm-hmm. Stanley Cups in that moment meant more than an individual person. As far as last night goes, yeah. if you had to do it over again and looking at it from, from our vantage point, like don't coach last night, go to New York early, uh, have the meeting today, 
Like it's just that to me is the, was the logical step. The the meeting should have happened before Joel Quinville ever coached another game. But I don't know if if but Joel states that he didn't know. I wonder is is the punishment to Joel Quinville if he did know something. And now we're getting into and I, I don't like to do this, but uh, uh, just uh, possibilities. Mm-hmm. But if Joel did know, is it more important that that he? tells us what he knew at the time and and all of uh, that information or is it the, the like should he be allowed to coach again it, it, it's it's such a hard thing to to postulate on I personally don't feel like he should be behind the bench right now hmm. period now um, different organization different He's organization Florida. but again it's it's more principles than anything mm-hmm. else yeah. I, I'm sorry like if if you are you in a point, to apologize. No, no, no. You I'm just saying, like, apologize. if you're if you're in a position where part of your job description is to make sure that people that trust in you feel safe, and you have you have not done the job adequately enough, and knowing and choosing to not go it, to to take higher steps, different steps, whatever, choosing not to report all of that. I think proves that that's not a position you should have because I don't think it's, I don't think it's changed. I don't think it's different. Like Quenville is, is the target because he's the coach and he was in the meeting with management and hockey people with the, the, the executives yeah. uh, of the organization. But boy, was, was there ever a failure at, I don't know, hundred probably isn't the number I, but you're probably close to f- it from the from what Kyle said about how many players that's the thing talked about it yeah uh, from coaches support staff uh, to, to management uh, that's a lot of people when one person can do something and and really make a, an impact with that so I, I realized Joel is is the focus here mm-hmm. but the there's, I, I find it hard to believe, honestly, and I shouldn't because there's been enough of these stories. And uh, and I was uh, around the Western Hockey League when, when Graham was uh, Graham James was coaching, and those uh, despicable or horrendous uh, acts uh, occurred. And we heard whispers. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything. Uh, we heard whispers. Uh, and I just look at this, and part of me is shocked that no, like. Nobody took it that necessary step, and then the other part of me is like, "No, I, it happens all the time." And that's, when when are we ever going to learn? Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the thing, right? Like, and, until until there's an example, me and and I hate to say example, but like, depending on on how many players knew, depending mm-hmm. on kind of the the accounts that we've had from players, also with some of the comments that Jonathan Taves made after the game last night and. You know, I, I understand on a basic level trying to differentiate the actions or inaction from the people that you knew and the people that you grew up in this organization with from a PR perspective. Throw your support out there for Kyle Beach. Don't tell me about how good of a man Stan Bowman is. Just don't do it. 
Joel hey. Quenville uh, spoke today, or uh, met with uh, Gary yep. Bettman today, and Kevin Shevoldayoff, who is the assistant general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks back in 2010, now the longtime general manager of the Winnipeg Jets, will meet with Gary Bettman on Monday. Uh, I expect the insinuation I'm getting from that side of it is that Shevoldayoff and Winnipeg Jets owner Mark Chipman will talk after they meet with Gary Bettman. Quenville didn't talk today. No, he didn't. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that whatever decisions are made, Joel Quinville is made available to, to if, if, if at the very least, answer the question as to why he thought it was okay and why he thought it was a good idea to coach that game last night. That, to me, was a slap in the face to Kyle Beach. And we uh, wish uh, Kyle Beach uh, just nothing but uh, the greatest of, uh, of years ahead of him as, uh, as he uh, puts everything back together, and he's got, uh, from uh, all accounts, a great supporting cast with him. And uh, we, uh, we would love to meet him, shake his hand, give him a hug, and, uh, and be able to uh, thank him for uh, what he's been through and... Uh, and support him uh, along the way. And Rick West at TSN, uh, follow him on Twitter because there's uh, there's more to come from this. The NHLPA uh, is taking uh, some uh, some accusations uh, through this. Uh, the National Hockey League, uh, they're going to have to respond as well. And we'll follow it uh, for you on the VGK Insider Show. We'll take a break and return as we broadcast uh, live on location. Finley Volkswagen on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Come and see us. We're at the Finley Volkswagen, hanging out at the Valley Auto Mall. Uh, we've got some swag to give away uh, from VW and uh, a whole bunch of hockey talk uh, to have with you regarding the Vegas Golden Knights, the Henderson Silver Knights, uh, Nevada Day tomorrow. Uh, Manny Viveros uh, spoke today, addressed uh, why he had stepped away from the team. Uh, we'll bring you some of uh, those comments, a uh, very emotional uh, conversation that you had with Brian McCormack. We also have the play of the day. And Robin Leonard talks about the uh, chances of playing in the Olympics and what has to come together for him to go to Beijing and 2022 uh, in February. It's the VGK.